0: Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. This is Season 7, Episode 51. I'm your co-host,
1: Keith. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. And if you haven't done so already, definitely go back and check out our last episode, Episode 50, where we interviewed the one and only Coco Chanel. In the episode, we discuss her fit camps giving back to the next generation her fitness glow up being a trainer and so much more it was a vibe that episode a lot of gems were dropped and she's definitely a friend to the show so definitely go back and check that out
0: facts (laughs) i was
1: looking at me crazy because i like saying definitely or not (laughs) like seriously can we not though
0: OMG, but check out the episode. She dropped a lot of gems on it. And fun fact, she's Jamaican.
1: And from Brooklyn, you heard.
0: (laughs) Facts. And also, too, she is a Virgo, just like myself. So shout out to all the Virgos out there. You know, we feed off of vibes and energy. So it was just a great interview, fun-loving, and hopefully she become a, a friend to the show. So that'll be cool. Nice. All right, let's get into it. So, you know, Meek Mill dropped the album
1: championship
0: (laughs) facts um since he dropped the album i'm gonna keep it 100 with you i haven't listened to anything else it's really good um i really enjoyed it for what it is but we're gonna get into some of the nuances that were discussed on the album that some takeaways that really coincides with what we've been discussing on our show since we started our show yeah and that's one of the things i could walk away with from this album is a lot of valid points and things that are existing within our communities especially among black people that I think needs to be discussed and more for that matter starting off with trauma that track to me was very interesting in terms of the things that were stated he started off with a track mentioning his mother wanting him to go to Yale then opposed to him going to jail as you know Meek Mill was arrested and he came out of jail recently we spoke more about this in our previous episode
1: yeah, that was episode number 37, season yes. five, Hello, Police. So go back and check that out if you haven't done so already.
0: Yes, we definitely talked about him when his whole situation happened and leading up to it and how people had different mixed reviews about him and the fact that they felt like he was deserving of it. But after doing further research, it's like, actually, that's really not the case. It was unjust. So check out that episode. But to bring it back pertaining to the song, Trauma. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that he mentioned, too, was when being born and raised in a hood, parents tend to have high expectations for their children by expecting them to beat the odds despite their circumstances, which was, in turn, what his mother wanted for him by going to Yale. Prison visits with his son. So the reality of his son seeing him in prison and kind of seeing his dad in that light and his son um, internalizing that, I think that's very interesting, pertaining to young black boys, some young black boys' reality in the hood, So, him speaking to that and how that affected him in some aspect and his family dynamic, he took it a step further, which I really thought I was like, all right, I see where you're going with this. When he discussed a black judge, as you know, with his trial situation, it was a black woman judge, and he spoke about... She wanted to take away his freedom, and in turn, he hated his own people. And it's like, I could feel that. You know, your own people being in these powerful positions, and you think, okay, I have a leg up or I have a bit of leverage, but to know that they're purposely trying to target you and purposely trying to make you go through the justice system and constantly be bombarded with that kind of... um, be bombarded with those kind of challenges i thought it was very interesting that he spoke to that point yeah. and kind of making a full circle and you do have some of us in those powerful positions even though we're there that doesn't really mean much of anything some of us are conscious some of us are not and it ties into the crab <laughs> in and some bar- of us are
1: in the sunken place <laughs> with the red hat <laughs> no
0: shade no tea uh, <laughs> in terms of like crab in a barrel mentality and i think it's very pertinent that he spoke to that and the fact that when you when those situations happen to you as a black person and make you hate your own people and in some instances have self-hate, which is something that we don't discuss frequently within our community. So I thought that was really interesting that he highlighted that point in the song. A lot of times we always say it's about us being in certain positions. I always said it's not about quantity, it's more of quality. Yeah. If you're going to have a black person in a powerful position, I want you to be a conscious thinker. I want you to be woke. If you're going to be in a sunken place, i'd rather you be in an inferior position because you're not doing anything you're not doing just to our community so to me it doesn't really make sense and that's why i'm always big on equality more so the quantity so the fact that he spoke to that point pertaining to that situation and um and even in that episode we kind of dived really deep into that previous episode about how it led up to that and how like the little minor things that he did kind of went against him, him Willie. He'd
1: be a pop and a Willie. Like, <laughs> like that's insane. <laughs> like it was insane. Yeah. And then
0: the cops lying on him on trial. It's like, wow, y'all really trying to keep this man behind bars. Like seeing that he came out of the hood and trying to make something of himself. So I, I definitely found that to be interesting and how he tied it and moved it into the song. I thought that was really important. And in regards to that, when we are in those positions, like we're trying to prove to white people. um our value it's like by me imprisoning or trying to hinder another black person from being successful. It, it aids in part to some white people who, have that perceived conceptions of us and also feed into racism so that we're feeding into that systematic form of oppression. So I thought that was really good and kind of came full circle in it and the cycle of being locked up, which is very common. When you have situations of young black boys visiting their fathers in prison or their fathers are in prison so they don't have a proper fatherhood in the household. So then he spoke about the son who ends up hustling in the street and if he doesn't do it right, he ends up losing his life. So it's like he had to stick to the game. And then a the girl the daughter not having a father figure in the household and then that causes her to be very...
1: Basically, if yeah. be caught up
0: in the streets because she doesn't have that proper representation. And we did speak about this prior, too. The lack of fatherhood in the households and how it could be detrimental for children. There may be single-mother households where those kids do become successful, despite the fact that they don't have a father. But those situations are very rare and far and few between. So I'm glad that he touched on those dynamics and really dug deep into the song and spoke about those instances. What did you feel about it?
1: Well, just... A, a, a quick point. There's a lot of,
0: going on in this song. <laughs> yeah, a,
1: a quick point about what you said about the the fathers not being in the home. I just I I hate when I hear that because I think with the rise of mass incarceration and bringing more people behind bars, people of color. I feel like this has constantly been rising and rising over the past decades. It that the rate has been increasing, but even before they were getting black people locked up in jail by numbers, it's like the system has kind of been rigged against us to to kind of hold people back into hold people down even without that and I just I just find that really interesting like or even just it kind of makes me think about when people talk about people who sag their pants like oh you're getting uh, profiled because you're sagging Respectability your pants. politics. Right. Yeah. But back in civil rights movements, people like Martin Luther King, these guys, they were all dressed up, suits to the nines. Like, everyone was dressed up, but that didn't change. And so they I've, still
0: experienced police brutality. Exactly.
1: And I so I just feel like- Even you know, during
0: a peaceful protest.
1: Exactly. I always think about that when I hear about fathers aren't being in the homes and people kind of- point to that as well your community can't keep yourselves together because your fathers are doing these quote unquote things that are getting them locked up but it's it kind of disregards like the real context of how these people have just are put in a system in a situation where they actually their situation is like hell like we it actually is. we actually just posted that post from Meek online
0: well, he did an interview with CNN yeah and
1: he, he said if you every single day seeing someone you know dying or seven out of seven days a week there's seven bodies would you not carry a gun and i'm just like he flipped the script in that interview he's like i'm gonna start asking you questions now (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah the song it it definitely when i hear it it definitely just just pulls a chord because thinking about like the mass incarceration, the kids being without their fathers, how it affects young boys, how it affects their children, and then it just creates like this vicious cycle that you really it's very difficult to get out of. I'm not gonna say it's impossible, but it definitely is difficult. We're and back to definitely insane. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite adjective. <laughs> <laughs> um, another
0: aspect of the song which I will end on, which I thought was really important, was when he stated, ain't no PTSDs. some drugs keep it at ease. And that part is very important pertaining to our community, how... You know, we rely on drugs in these circumstances because we don't have the proper resources or accessibility to get therapy or whatever of that nature to kind of better ourselves. And he even spoke about that in a CNN interview. So definitely go check that out. Now you got me saying definitely (laughs) Um, check out that interview. But I think it's important because, you know, pertaining to our community. We turn to drugs, you know, whatever those drugs may consist of of your choice to kind of ease the pain. But it's like it doesn't really solve anything. It just numbs it. And it ties back to when we discussed the J. Cole um, album and we discussed meditate, not medicate, which is very important. Try to find alternate ways of dealing with pain. Um, in our communities without really going to drugs. But as I stated before, it's easier said than done.
1: That, yeah, really. Because if you're going easier. through
0: all of the things that he's discussed in the song and you're actually an individual experiencing these things or even being close to home with these matters, it's easier to say, oh, go see this, go see that. But if you don't got the funds to do so or you working so much, you don't find the time or you can't even do it, even if you wanted to, It's like, where is that commonplace? You know what I'm saying? Where do you find that space where it's like, okay, I need to find an outlet that's going to be safe and I'm going to be okay and secured, but it's going to give me some form of balance.
1: Right. And another topic that he really talks about a lot on this album is police brutality. And one of the lines he says, they shot that boy 20 times when they could have told him just freeze, could have put him in the cop car, but they let him just bleed. And that's... From what, I, from my understanding, he he was referencing the Stephen Clark shooting yeah. out in Sacramento, and actually just even saying his name and it just makes me relive seeing that actual footage of the video, where they literally shot the shot the young man twenty times, and you didn't hear anything, there wasn't any movement, and he was just out. But can we say where they
0: shot him at though?
1: In his grandmother's backyard, and she watched the whole thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's our reality. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we actually discussed that. We discussed that further in season five, episode 33, Protect Kids, Not Guns. So if you haven't heard that, definitely go back and check that episode out. Uh, Another topic that he he touches on is slavery and really talking about how slavery under the 13th Amendment isn't actually abolished. It technically is, but with the prison industrial complex people are being essentially slaves with the title criminal. Yeah. And it makes you think about the the 13th documentary. Yes. Yeah. So if you haven't seen that, definitely go check that out. As well too. <laughs> we just dropping a lot of plugs. We, yeah, <laughs>
0: We are dropping a lot of plugs, but we discussed these issues. That's why this album really meant something to the both of us. Cause I was like, he's highlighting a lot of stuff that we discussed on our previous shows or overlaps. And I think it's very pertinent that we continue to talk about these topics and dissect them. And that's one of the things that I really did enjoy. What was another topic that you liked from Trauma?
1: Um, where he discussed Kaepernick and just the whole kneeling situation. One of the lines he says, They told Cap stand up if you want to play for a team and all his teammates ain't saying a thing. Stay woke. That's and, some real shit, though. Yeah.
0: It, <laughs> that's some real shit, though. It's like literally a handful of dudes that's really saying something.
1: That is true. But it, it's, sad. it's sad because... Kind of what you said earlier, Meek is in a position now where he has his platform. He's able to speak out about these issues. And that's exactly what Kaepernick did. And I think in the rap community, there are a lot more people who are conscious rappers. They're vocal about it. Yeah, they're really talking about it. But Kaepernick, he he didn't even say anything. He took a knee and. And that said enough. Right. That was a powerful
0: gesture. But the problem is, too, like it's full circle pertaining to this part of the song, is that the NFL is composed primarily of black men. So the fact, and some of them, fuck, maybe even all, most of them are from urban communities where police brutality is prevalent, where yeah. they see violence and what's discussed in the song is happening in their communities. Some of them, For some of them, the NFL is an outlet of that and to make betterment of themselves or whatever the case may be. And this is probably their only way of making funds. Who knows? I don't think it applies to all of them, but if you want to call at your little moment, let it be that. (laughs) But the reality is, is this industry... Or organization, because that's what it is. It's primarily of black men. And you only have a handful of black men that's really speaking to what's going on in the communities, even though they have the platform. And the rest of y'all have the same platform, but y'all not even speaking about that. And to me, I look at the NFL, real talk is slavery. Because if y'all not speaking about these issues, it's like the owners are definitely putting you in a predicament or position where you're silenced. But yet you got to go play the game. And who's profiting a good significant amount of the money, the owners. Yeah. As much as the players may make, and then come to find out NFL players really don't make as much compared to like NBA players. Like Some of them make a significant amount of money, but others not so
1: much. And a lot of them, their careers don't last as long. They don't long last as, that long, especially although, with the concussions. Yeah. So you
0: bumping your head, getting knocked over the head, for your slave master. Ooh, did I take a date? Yes, I did. And you refuse to actually stand up and say something on Neil for that matter, yeah. pertaining to these matters, and you got a handful of dudes that's doing it. So the fact that he dropped that line and was like, yo, stay woke, just look at all of that. That, to me, I was like, heard you.
1: Yeah, on God. <laughs> I love that expression. <laughs> I don't know when that blew up, but I, I hear it all I the time. I like now. it,
0: but some people don't believe in God, so I'm just like, who you believe in? <laughs> like, because if you were atheist, would you on what grass? Like, what are you saying?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna get into that topic, but I just feel like. At some point in everyone's life, they'll still shouting out God's name. <laughs> like,
0: for real. So I like it on God, but everybody don't really believe in that. So I'm just kind of like, I'll be looking at people's side eyes. I'm just like, oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah. Um. And just another point in terms of right now with the protesting, how people like Kaepernick are losing their jobs, losing opportunities, losing checks. That well, can... is Cap
0: losing opportunities, though? That Nike deal?
1: Facts. Got him. Shout-outs to Nike. Just do Facts. it. Facts. I'm about <laughs> to buy
0: me a pair. This
1: Christmas, <laughs> this Christmas, <laughs> I might have to edit that out. Yeah, please do. <laughs> I got the mic in front of me. I was trying to hit that that Mariah trying to do that to that. Joe Scott? No, no, that, I'll, leave, I'll leave that up to you. That's your specialty. It's your forte. And <laughs> damn sure is. Oh God.
0: <laughs> Continue.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> their paychecks their livelihoods are being affected because they're speaking out against these issues that are affecting their communities versus let's say in the 60s or even further back people were getting killed for it so even though people aren't actually being killed because they're fighting for what they believe is right they're they're taking away their their livelihood and that's just yeah. a that's a way of basically trying to break their their will break their like what's the what's the word I'm looking for
0: it's a really a way to just keep them caged in and tamed. Yeah, exactly. I feel. Like exactly. back in the day, used to kill us when we did protests. Now there's other ways of them doing it to kind of keep us in our place.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Other points that he mentioned is also about being a felon. That ties into it as well. Keeping in mind that people who come out of prison, even though they serve their time, if they're perceived as a felon, they don't really have the right to vote. So you're still stripped of your rights in some aspect. And then also too, keeping in mind if you want to get a job, like. In Meek Mill's case, okay, that may work because he's a rapper. But, like, if you want to get a real-life job and they doing background checks, oops. <laughs> like, there you go, you know. And then you may have to, unfortunately, work at a position that you are probably overqualified for and underpaid. Yeah. And you have to deal with that situation just for the sake of getting by. So speaking to that and how a lot of black men is trapped into that title of being a felon. Yeah. And I think what did it for me full circle was the auction block comment when he made that about selling out arenas and having that level of privilege and then being in a position where you're being sold. You know, how you go from having privilege in some aspects and then you being in a position of oppression where it's like you're literally the bottom of the tone
1: pole. Yeah, I think that that kind of speaks to the fact, like what you were saying earlier about the NFL players. They're making money. They're living this really good life um, because they of the live salary, their best life. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the the people who actually have the power, who's controlling their destiny, they can rip that away from them at any Facts. second, and it can completely turn on you. And I think that's something Jay Z he constantly references in terms of he just how he wants to have control over his own destiny. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, I'm glad you actually made that point. What's Free is
0: the next track that I really enjoyed. Um, well, there's a specific part of it
1: I enjoyed. Let's just let's
0: get to the nitty gritty. Oh. <laughs> see you, baby. Shout out to Brooklyn. This is the one time I'll say it, actually. You heard? <laughs> um, this song I really did like. I love Jay-Z's verse because it was like, yo, he did it for the culture. Like He went hard. He went really, really hard in this verse. I was like... Bruh, like really, like that whole song, he just he demolished it. I think starting off for me was when he discussed the aspects of when he said three fifths as a man, I believe that's the phrase how going back to how black people were perceived in slavery, we were perceived as three fifths of a human being. And with that being said, that kind of gave slave owners, also known as white people, the the right or justification to keep us entrapped into slavery. So I like that he kind of spoke about that. And then he kind of tapped into hit niggas with the 360s. Now, this part I really did enjoy. Shout out to Diddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I,
1: no shade.
0: No it, shade. I, no shade, <laughs> no take. Um, just keep it in the He's a businessman. <laughs>
1: I respect it. But
0: Hoves... <laughs> Analysis of the 360 deal, <laughs> which I like, was pertaining to how as when black people were enslaved, they were given discarded food, which was like what the white people will not eat, which was pork and pig intestines for them to ingest. Chitlins. Yeah. And we found a way to make it work in the community. I don't eat chitlins. I don't bang with it. But for those who do, bless your heart.
1: I, I, really, I actually found out about this earlier this year, like a lot of these like foods were
0: derived from slavery where they and it was discarded food that we kind of just flip put some season on it some little goya (laughs) and just made it into something but it goes back to the resiliency (laughs) i'm just saying lorry i see
1: i seen a meme (laughs) online it said black people use uh, lorry's Latino people use goya and white people use salt. <laughs> <laughs> I believe was, it. I just thought that was funny.
0: Um, <laughs> so us taking the intestines, us if, the salt, baby. <laughs> <laughs> taking the intestines, and how we resiliency from that, and like Pierre had said, like making chitlins, and then going from that aspect of how we survived slavery and then made the projects a wave. So you know, black people moving into the projects and housing projects for that matter, and then white people now coming in to reinvest into these projects and gentrify the neighborhood um, and basically kick us out. So it's like each time when you try to knock us down, we find a way to build resiliency, but then you try again, you know, and I liked how he kind of did the buildup in a chronological order of how that played out. That point really stood out to me, and I was really feeling that portion of his verse. What was your take on a 360 verse, and is it valid, and how does that make you perceive our resistance?
1: Oh, I thought it was definitely valid. That's one of the reasons why I love Jay Z. He's probably my favorite rapper of all times. Um, he he's always dropping knowledge, and it makes me realize it sucks the things that we've gone through as a people um, throughout our throughout our existence. But I think that that resiliency is something that is special about Black people because. We've gone through slavery. We've gone through Jim Crow laws. We're going through police brutality now. Like it's always something, and it's like no matter what we're going through, we always find a way to to actually rise above it. And granted, we're not where we want to be. We're not a hundred percent free, and things aren't perfect right now. But I think because of those experiences that of our ancestors and what we're dealing with now. That it it has something special inside of us, then that's why I I personally love being black. Like, so, I think it's lit. <laughs> and and I always like you like you said I'm optimistic. Uh, or what do you say? I like you. you utopia. Live in utopia. World. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, because of these experiences, like, I think that's why we create culture. Because, like, even with slave, um, sl- uh, what damn, like wading waiting in the water, what slave, um. Hymns? Hums?
0: Yeah, songs. Songs. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: But just like whatever we were dealing with, we always found a way to look at the brighter side of it. And I yeah. think that's something that we as black people, it's just something that we have inherently inside of us because of we're constantly having to face obstacles. And I think those obstacles are what, are what help us just continue to grow and do dope. Things, even if we aren't always given the fair shot or at, or act like the same playing field as everybody else.
0: And going back to the three sixties, it's funny how you said that we create culture, and then even with that, they try to appropriate it. Exactly. <laughs> it's like really, bro. Yeah. Come on.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And Jay Z in the song, he also talks about the gentrification in the hood, and I, that that I can I really feel that one in my soul. Do
0: a bad style? Is it that anymore? They try change it by now. Uh
1: it makes me think about like Soha. I don't know if you heard about that. But, I heard about that, yeah, yes. Trying to change South Harlem to Soha like gentrification. Yeah, he talks about putting all of us in the projects and putting us in these communities and it's like they, they created these ghettos they created these communities to put us into to kind of try to hold us down but yeah. again the culture the things the music the the food the things that come out of these these hoods these these neighborhoods it's still just dope because of that resiliency that we speak that i we were speaking to earlier and
0: Can you speak to the neighborhoods in Brooklyn that has been gentrified?
1: Williamsburg I feel but like But that was a hood hood? Yeah Definitely, you didn't want to go in Williamsburg twenty, thirty years ago. That's crazy. Um, Bed Stuy, Crown Heights, Flatbush—like I was actually talking. <laughs> I was actually talking to one of my old heads. He <laughs> yeah, said old heads, and he was just like, "Yeah, when I was growing up, I couldn't go. You couldn't. You didn't want to be walking around in Flatbush. Like you went there, like it was not. It was not safe." you had to be ready to scrap, you look at somebody <laughs> wrong. Like I'm just like, that's crazy because it is the nothing that, like that, that at now. all right now. So Max. the way that kind of just flipped and happened so quickly. Um Yeah, and I think I've mentioned this in past episodes. It kind of scares me. It makes me think like, where are the black people and the Latin people, where are they going to go with prices and gentrification constantly rising? Like,
0: going to to the Bronx. Because, right. <laughs> I mean, that's like kind of the cheapest places now. But even if...
1: But then that's next. It's going to be next, yeah. Exactly. We're going to... We, the culture is gonna be moving out to like Missouri or something. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's gonna be the next, the next renaissance, <laughs> the Missouri Renaissance. <laughs> I mean,
0: yo, I don't know. I mean, I'll be, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: And that I think because of that resiliency aspect, wherever we end up, like, we're gonna create dope stuff and we're gonna make the best out of whatever the this situation is, is. So that's the silver lining of that situation, I guess.
0: <laughs> and what aspect of the song did you?
1: Um, so when he talks about just the the land of the free and not actually still being free, and just the contradictions around it because it, it makes me think about let's say you get caught up into the system, which is what happened to meek mill with the with his um getting arrested, yeah, once you go on that probation or you take one of those guilt- those guilty pleas you're basically your life is over Mm -hmm. or just being in a community where you are affected you were affected by stop and stop and frisk yeah it's like you're a person of color you're living in these communities but you're unjustly being unjustly being targeted because they're trying to make your life that much harder and trying to get you into the system and it's just it sucks and just It makes me think of a stat like the United States, we're about 5% of the population of the planet, but mm-hmm. we have 20% of the the prison population for the entire planet, which yeah. is insane. And you're the land of the free, mm-hmm. but you have one fifth of the people on the planet in jails. Yeah. Like that just in itself, just like there has to be an asterisk next to that land of the free asterisk. Because
0: <laughs> well, it doesn't apply to everybody.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, And then Jay-Z talking about the, the three-fifths of three of a man kind of just breaking that down. I know you really like that part.
0: Yeah, when he broke it down and the formula and how he did it, I was just like, whoa, I was really blown away by that. How did you perceive it?
1: I just thought it was dope because honestly what I thought of was how he's like, he's someone I look up to, he's a businessman, and he's just talking about, he just went into the numbers like, I own 100% of title. Um, they tried to make me three-fifths, they tried to call us three-fifths of man, but like, he's his own man, he's the employer, he's the one paying the bills and writing checks, He's he owns a percentage of Duce, um, Ace of Spades, mm-hmm. and he's just rock aware, like he just... Just started talking about all of his actual finances and what percentages he owns of companies versus them trying to break us down into ah, three-fifths of a person. So I was just like, damn.
0: The play on words, I think, was very unique, and especially how he broke down his businesses and how it tied into being three-fifths of a human being. That whole part right there, I was like, yo, he really took it there with that. But really speaking his truth about owning businesses and being his own person and own right Which I thought was really interesting aspect of the song.
1: Yeah, and then going into the this the, one of the lyrics, he actually talks about Michael and Prince comparing him and Kanye West. I
0: feel like that would have been your favorite though.
1: To be honest, I I didn't get it at first. I mm-hmm. actually he tweeted about it online
0: because people was like, like I was annoyed with the tweet because. It was like, that's what y'all took away from the song? Exactly. And it feel like that's what his tweet was about. It was like, really? Like, go get meatballs. I'm, I'm like, this is what y'all listened to the song to do, and this is what y'all took away from the song. Like, there was so much more, like, great, nuances set throughout the song and this is what people are like about and i'm like y'all really not listening to listen y'all listen based off of popularity and what's gonna move people and have us talking the other aspects of the song that he said that we talking about now that's what y'all should be talking about that's what she'd be like tweeted about you know, the Kanye aspect of it or the Red Hat to me, that's so minimal. I was just like, all right, because we yeah. know what y'all going with it. Y'all going to going back to your point about what you're about to say. But it's like, I was kind of annoyed with that. I was like, this song had so much more material to work with that could have been discussed and could have went on a viral viral scale than opposed to this little one-liner.
1: Yeah. And he basically was like, they don't like seeing us win together. and They don't. Yeah. And it's, it's trying to essentially tear us apart from within and- it's crazy because that's a tactic that's just been used for, for, years. for years now. Like, even with, um, with, ah. Uh,
0: Your mind is not here today. Like, no, you no, no, keep no. forgetting stuff. I'm like, bruh.
1: I, I'm just, like, with the FBI throwing people into Malcolm X organization to yeah. just kind of sneak in there and infiltrate. It's just like they've always found ways to just pit us against each other. And But that's honestly, that's, I think that's where we need to, that's together. been ingrained since
0: slavery, too. Yeah. I think it was in slavery in New Year's. I believe it was one of those days or holidays where they will pin two slaves together, black people to fight with each other to the death. And that's always been like a um kind of. But if you see Django and Jane, like, you know, what I'm saying like this always been a thing, you know, so it's been ingrained in us for years. Guys, and then
1: Jackson
0: <laughs> boy, it has been ingrained <laughs> for years. And then it's like, and then we still have that mindset and a crab in a barrel mentality. And also ties back, us pinning us against each other, tying back to what Meek Mill said about the black judge, woman judge. You know, like, this is what happens, and this is what they try to make happen and do. And that's why I didn't like with the CNN interview that he had, because I felt like that commentator shouldn't have interviewed him, because he was, like, missing certain things. And he was like, what do you mean by they? And what do you mean they're all trying to pin you guys? I'm like, if really? <laughs> like, really? Like, are you paying attention to what's going on in society and what's going on now with black people and who's in prison? And even was mentioned on another song, too, like, you know, they put more of us in prison than they are in schools. Like, so let's talk about it. Like, cut yeah. the shit. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the demographic that's being affected. It's black and brown people. Okay? Like, let, that's our reality. So I thought that was...
1: I can't lead with bullshit. <laughs> Shout out to Viola Davis. Shout out to Viola Davis. <laughs> that
0: speech was epic. We also got that posted on our social media.
1: Another plug. <laughs> Another one. Another one. <laughs> um, Yeah. So... After hearing the verse, like, do you think do you think people were just actually trying to pin Kanye West and Jay Z against each other, or like, what was what was your thought about that part? I of it? think,
0: honestly, with that whole, I've, I the reaction from the song mm-hmm. when he had to when Jay Z tweeted, it, I was like, I know why he tweeted, it. and I was like, this is annoying, and I think overall society or some people, not all, like the fact that they are pinned against each other, but. I feel like Jay Z's taking a route of I it's not me against him. We're in our own separate lane. You yeah. wanna wear red hats, I'm over here building yeah. my businesses and, you know, trying to let them know what time it is. Like yeah. and being my own person. So I think that I don't necessarily think it's a matter of them like internally having issues with each other and I just think they're just two separate people in a sense of how they're growing into their mindsets and conscious ways of thinking. I think that society, to some extent, not all of us feed into that, or the media, like the fact that they're pinned against each other because it creates conversation, it creates dialogue, and, oh, it's it's fascinating. But I think on a lower level of a more simplistic level, they're not. Like, yeah. I think jay Z stand in a place like, I think dif- this way, you think that way, and that's perfectly understandable. Yeah, Like, it is what it is, you know?
1: And I think he definitely put out the, like, they he's still kind of is like his little brother he still yeah. has love for him even if they're not necessarily yeah. making music or hanging out they still have love from a distance that's actually i mean we actually talked about that on the last episode with chanel just realizing like you and people might be in different places different mindsets that is yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that there has to be friction or issues just that you guys can have love for each other from a distance that because you you don't have you have a limited amount of time and energy in a day and you just have to be conscious about how you're spending. Be conscious that about it, and yeah. I do
0: think the media feeds off of that. They like it, and that's why. And that's why I was so annoyed with it. I was just like, this song had so much more value than opposed to that aspect of it. But I do think that they like to see. I mean, I would love to get another Watch Watcher Throne album, but
1: Word. if it doesn't happen, that would be fire. It'd
0: be like that's the time. But it, I would love to see that collabo happen. I ain't gonna lie.
1: So one of the lyrics from the the, the that song that got me kind of hurt. Well when Jay Z said, look at my hair, freak, hair free, carefree. Niggas ain't free. Enjoy your chains, what you employer need with the hairpiece. <laughs> like <laughs> it's for me You're playing out of hair piece. No, 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 no. Well, I thought I thought about Keto <laughs> <Peter laughs> Hitler. So I just thought that was funny. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Yo. but like for me personally, I I want. earlier this year I actually was growing out my hair because I wanted it to be a symbol of just kind of stepping into my it, stepping oh, into little a little mini
0: fro. It was cute.
1: No, 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 It wasn't a fro. I twisted it and everything, but it just, just wasn't growing the way I wanted it to grow, and I just, I, I, couldn't do it anymore. I had to cut it. RIP. I just got the baldy now.
0: Natural hair is not for you. Huh? It requires maintenance.
1: It did. I having to wake up and not just it be able to walk. It was looking a little
0: dry. I was telling you about it. I oh, need some oil, I some know. moisturizer.
1: Maybe I can start over and just start doing it right.
0: I mean, do what I do.
1: I need a, need a woman like you in my life, Key, to just help me. We're well, no. Alone. <laughs> your, I, no. Your hair's always looking moisturized.
0: <laughs> I do what I can when I can get it done, yes.
1: smell, like, smell like shea butt up in here. And coconut oil.
0: <laughs> 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 so back to the point about employee and employer that you were saying, my fault.
1: Oh, well, no. Well, I, I really liked the aspect that he, the first line of the song just talking about the hair. Because I think a l- with hair, I hate the expression, um good hair versus bad hair because I think every kind of hair is beautiful like whatever you were born with and that's just what you have you can't change that like if it's a huge afro with coarse hair or curly or baldy i think did you
0: always think that
1: way definitely not okay, okay. i was definitely in the oh. sunken place a few years ago oh. but now just like i appreciate all of it like thank god i took you out
0: the sunken place I, shit I, you didn't take me out the sunken I place i didn't take you out the sunken place
1: i came out of the sunken place and you were there and <laughs> you grabbed my hand yeah okay
0: <laughs> heard you
1: shout outs to hidden colors <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen it go check that out
0: we do a lot of plugs <laughs> in this episode We
1: should just call this episode the plug. <laughs>
0: Facts. No, but going back to your point about hair, no, that's true.
1: Um, yeah, good
0: hair versus bad hair. Yeah, I
1: think and I think that's another way of just trying to divide people or making just making one group better than another. Yeah. But I love when I see a girl with an afro, just whatever texture it is, I'm just like, damn.
0: Going back to the song, I, I do think that aspect of this, that song was really important. Definitely speaking to about here being free. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy because that's like a thing in our community, which is so problematic, especially among black women. Like whether you're going to be natural or whether you're going to get a perm or if not, if you're going to get bundles. Yeah. And then also two dreads. Both male or female, like that's another. That's like a political statement in a sense for some people. When it's just, I just want to do my hair like this, and I want to change it up. So it is true, like the whole aspect of what you can do with your hair is like, are you really free if you can't wear it the way you want to wear it? You have to question, like, is that freedom if you're being restrained? If you're not really, you're not care And then also too, what I liked about the employee and employer complex is that. I got from that line was like how we're working for someone else and they could determine what we can say, do, and how we carry ourselves. And that's why it's important that we own our own business and we have our own. I believe we dis- discussed this on a previous episode about owning and having our own and being entrepreneurs. And, you know, I've, our generation, I feel like we're really tackling entrepreneurship a lot. Even the people we've had on our show, all of them has been entrepreneurs in some aspect of their lives. Whether it's part-time or full-time, they're really taking it on. Do you believe in that concept? Do you believe all of us can be entrepreneurs? Like, who going to work for us?
1: I do think that everyone has the potential to be an entrepreneur. I think human potential is limitless. You can really put put your.
0: You think they got the potential, they got the backbone for it. Because I remember in our interview with Josh, we spoke about that. Some people have that entrepreneurial bone. Not everybody have that.
1: Right, I don't think everyone has it naturally, but that doesn't mean you, it can't be cultivated. Okay. Oh, I
0: like that. Thank you, thank you.
1: Yeah, I think everyone has that potential to make it happen. But like, yeah. To give you an example, honestly, my little brother, he he has that entrepreneurial fire and spirit that I don't have, and I don't think uh, my other brothers have. Okay. But he got he developed that out of necessity because there was a time in our in our lives where my mom wasn't working and so we were going through financial difficulties and he went from a little kid like seven years old saying all I wear is polo to now the money's not coming in and he's just like his whole world just got turned upside down. So he actually realized, oh, I got to really on my grind I got to save up my little allowance I got to find ways to make money now he's buying and selling sneakers like he he's never had a full-time job even a part-time job yeah this kid has money and I'm just like it it brings like it makes me like proud because he because out of necessity he created that entrepreneurial fire within himself and and he's actually pursued that so I'm excited to see what he's gonna create with his life from that that's why I say not everyone might be born with it Mm -hmm. but you can cultivate, you can make that happen for yourself.
0: Yeah. Another aspect of the song that I did like as well is um, the trajectory of Jay-Z's life when he really spoke to about him not being caught. Keeping in mind that at some point, um, his friends were arrested when he was into drug dealing, and he could have been caught, but he wasn't. He was able to get away, and he talked about being scot-free, and he got away from the CCE, which actually is known as Continuing Criminal Enterprise, which is an organization that targets drug traffickers. So he was able to get away from that in a way that he incorporated and moved it and kind of put that within the song I thought that was really important yeah and it made me question like would his life have been different if he got caught like would he have been equally successful or more successful would he have been deterred from you know carrying on his life as being an influential rapper
1: uh to be if he had gotten caught I don't think he'd be where he's at today I think he would be a bill he's about to be a billionaire that's I think
0: he if he had gotten caught but I don't know what the circumstances would have been if he got caught like if he had gotten released eventually down the line I don't know. I think, but I, if you, we talk about this bone of having that and the drive and resiliency. Right, 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 right. If we're bringing it back to that standpoint, that is true. I he feel like he would probably would have been equally successful, if not more. I just don't know if it would have took longer. Right. That's a good point. He yeah. did say
1: that in one of his classic albums. He said, Put me anywhere on God's green earth and I'll double my worth. Like, yeah. He's always had that mentality, like, I'm going to get it. And I do believe that there, like, there's a saying, if you took all the money in the world and you divided it evenly amongst everyone in the planet, it would eventually get its hands back into the 1% that has most of the money and we right now. Have poor people. Well, so no, the, that saying is like, if you took all the money in the world and you split it amongst everyone, the top 1% would eventually find a way of getting that money back to them because of their mindset and the way they've gone oh, about it. Already. I was just
0: thinking like if we did it that way there wouldn't be no poor people. Like,
1: you know, it wouldn't be no in poverty or anything like that. So, and my this and this is just my view on it. I think being a millionaire or being poor that definitely you can have that mindset that makes it harder or easier for you to get to a certain place. Yeah. Like there are people who have won the lottery and then They just lose that money because they weren't ready to actually have that money. But people like, I think like a Jay-Z or Meek Mill, even in their situation that they were in, they kind of saw what they wanted for themselves and they had that mindset like they're going to get out of it no matter what. Yeah. And like, I think Meek Mill showed that with his resiliency after everything he's been through Mm -hmm. with being arrested, Drake Beef, all that stuff like He's st- he's still right here and he's still putting in that work. So yeah, I think that mindset is definitely very powerful. And what def- was
0: the last point for you on that um, track?
1: He just made me feel bad, like when he was talking about Thanksgiving. <laughs>
0: he kept it a hundred, though. <laughs> yeah,
1: basically describing Thanksgiving as the murder of the Native people here in the United States by Christopher Columbus, and I'm like, damn.
0: Happy Thanksgiving.
1: I was just just eating stuffing like a week ago.
0: <laughs> Mess.
1: It was, <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> Um, definitely made a valid point. and And honestly, I had people in my life who were like, I don't celebrate Thanksgiving. It's just yeah, another day. Yeah, some people day. don't
0: celebrate it. They don't even call it Happy Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. So it,
1: it honestly made me think about, it made me think, but that definitely, I thought, was a, a powerful line to throw into the song. The yeah. Only, the only Christopher we acknowledge is Wallace.
0: Shout out, Hove. <laughs> <Word>. shout,
1: <laughs> shout out to Biggie, all of Brooklyn. <laughs> Um, so the next song on the track that we wanted to get into was actually the the title track, Champions. And Meek starts off the song by saying, All the youngins in my hood popping perks now, getting high to get by is getting worse now. You gotta tell them put them guns and the perks down, then them gels got 10 yards in them, it's a first down. I just thought that was like a really, really great way to start the song because i think in this generation now and actually again talking to one of my old heads he was like (laughs) "OG, right back in the day like the rappers were the drug dealers they were selling drugs but nowadays the the rappers they're talking about popping pills and percocets and taking all these drugs And i think that's very it's very indicative of like the times that we're living in yeah where um drug drug use is more rampant and People are talking about that, like we said in the J. Cole album, Medicaid versus Meditate versus Medicaid. Um, I, I don't know exactly what's causing people to all these drugs, running more rampant mollies, Percocets, different pills and stuff. I think it could have to do with social media. People yeah, this is true. having access to everyone else in the world and kind of making them feel like their life isn't where it should be. Mm-hmm. But whatever the case may be, I think it's he it's a good point that he brought that fact up just like cuz he even said himself at one point he was dealing with the issues of Percocet and uh popping pills.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and then then uh, another line he mentioned, why you want to be a shooter? Mama told me not to do it, but I did it, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really important because he he basically was talking about how his mom was telling him, "Listen, I see what you're doing. I see the path yeah. that you're going down, and it's not gonna be a good one for you." And I think in a lot of times, our parents, our family, our like loved ones, they really know they really want to put what's best for us out there, but we don't always actually we don't always actually follow suit and. It's if we're falling into that peer pressure like he did where he was in the gangs and the drugs and doing all all up in that scene. Once he did get arrested, he talks about that during the songs, how he he wasn't actually getting um the support from the people that who were supposed to be his man, the people he yeah. was following, but his mom, the ones who loved him the most, who were getting affected the most by this and was there for him the whole time, like they were there from him telling him not to do it but then they were the only ones by his side when things actually hit the fan.
0: But I think that tends to happen a lot and I noticed that within our communities too with um guys y'all are so loyal to y'all friends. And I get it, but it's like sometimes things happen and it's like your mans ain't there. Yeah. Like I had a dude tell me that he rather have female friends because he felt like they were more there for him than his male friends. Like if things went left, they were more supportive and they were more genuine and they cared more. I feel like with guys, I'm not saying that you don't have real guy friends out there, but then some of y'all, y'all go so hard for y'all guy friends, especially in the hood and when drugs and money's involved. And then when things hit the fan, there's no one in sight. And to me it's like that's very telling of the kind of friends y'all have. But then when you on the top and you in a club twerking and working <laughs> and you got strippers, all your boys are lined up in, in photo ops and you know they on IG throwing up money. But then when it comes to real life stuff happening, the people who love you and really care about you, like your mom or your child, they has to come to prison and see you and maybe your child's mother or your wife. or what. Those are the people who are really like by your side. And the fact that y'all only realize that or some of y'all only realize that within that moment, And I think it's really unfortunate. But I'm glad that he spoke to that. And I hope that men listening to this, especially guys from the hood, are getting a message from it like, yo, like we cool and all you my dude but there's certain boundaries i gotta set because at the end of the day when she hits the fan are you really gonna be here for me and, and keeping in mind if something happens and y'all die who's gonna really be there to make sure your family's good yeah. like that's another thing of aspects of friendships like who's gonna be around to make sure your son or your your daughter grow up to be who they need to be and be around some of them they just dip after you die and it's just like so that's all our friendship was yeah so i think i really like that he made that point because i see that a lot and i'm just like really that's 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 your
1: man's like that's
0: your friend. That's your man's in them. Like for real, for real, they didn't visit you in Rikers or nothing. Like what's going on? Like you know what I'm saying? So you gotta read. Y'all gotta contemplate what kind of friends y'all have. Some people are just there for show. Yeah. So I'm glad he spoke to that.
1: Um, and uh, another another line that I really I really liked, and I thought was very important. And this came on the Oodles and Noodles track. Sorry, Oodles and Noodles babies. Mm -hmm. was when he mentioned that he has a homie that's a billionaire and he's talking to to that homie about the reality of where he grew up and kind of the points he was making in the CNN interview. And I think that was such a very important part that he mentioned because a lot of times you don't experience what these people in these communities are going Mm -hmm. through. And it's one thing to hear about it, but to actually living it, actually seeing people die, your families Family and friends being killed, the police shooting at you, drugs being sold right in front of your house—like actually experiencing that—is a whole nother reality. And I think it's very important to create that awareness for, in other people because once they, once the other people can be aware of that, that's what's gonna help kind of bridge that divide. Because again, you know me—I'm a utopian. I think we all yeah. need to come together to actually really make change. And the point that you got me present to mm-hmm. the. The people who created the problem should be the one tasked with actually solving it, yeah. but actually getting them to understand and realize why and what we're going through mm-hmm. and what the reality of that situation. I think that's the only way to actually make that happen. You have to create that awareness within them to to make that change. So I thought that was really important that he, he kind of referenced in that fact that. I come from the streets, but I have friends who are billionaires, and I'm letting them know what our situations are like. And he had allies that helped support him, get him out of jail. So I, I think that's a great a great message that I got from the album as well.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I'm glad you spoke to that point. Even, too, when he talked about Honda funding the schools and right. then putting more money into the prison systems, which I have highlighted before, and less into education, especially keep it in mind, like, when they, have, when they don't have the proper equipment or computers or anything of that sort. so when we spoke about like LeBron James creating that school and I promise and really giving back to the community and to that demographic is very imperative so the fact that we make it we have a platform and give it back because we knew what it was like going through those stages yeah. and when we were in those classrooms that were overpopulated with people we didn't have the proper resources and accessibility and then they automatically write us off as oh you're not intelligent you're not good enough or they probably put you in special ed. and it's just like no I just didn't get the attention that I needed and then some of these teachers are really not equipped to handle these schools, which is a whole other problem. So I'm glad that he spoke to that point. I definitely was like to switch gears and to respect the game because that was my favorite track I like it because when I first listened to it I was like I had it on repeat like mm. three times I was like yeah this is it right here I just like the flow of it but me really too. more it was like the flow was just the build-up everything for me had me but one of the things I would say and I'm gonna really make this kind of brief is like when he broke it down into the rules and I think it's important for all of us to resonate to when he said rule mm. number one not letting others overtake what you had in terms of jealousy and greed you never know what people's intentions are and this is true when you have people around you whether it's friends or family some people just don't wish you well yeah. so be mindful of the things that you do and you say and who you share with i'm gonna keep it 100 with you when something good happens to me it's very hard for me to share it to the world because i like to keep things to myself because in my mind it's like i'm doing it for me not for anybody else and you don't know some people feel a certain type of way it's yeah. like oh you glowing up and i'm not you know that's why this whole perception with social media a lot of this feed into that. But the reality is that may be that person chapter to glow up. You don't know what they did to get to that point. They may be, be deserving of it. And your time ain't there yet. And when yeah. your time does happen, do you want people to hate and be jealous of you? Right. Nah, you don't need that energy. I like when he dipped off and said rule number two. When you reach a certain level of success, there will always be people who want to take advantage of that. Yeah. You know, you have people around you who I'm a firm believer in. If you didn't starve with me on the come up, you don't have a seat <laughs> at the table. Okay? You can watch this from outside, though, but you don't have a seat at the table. I'm going to keep it 100. Facts. Like, you got people who be like, oh, I know so and so. And then you glow up and it's like, oh, we had a conversation. <laughs> you don't know me. Like, you don't know my life. Like, so being mindful of the people and energies you have around, which we're going to get into further when we talk about the book. Yeah. And I like when he mentioned Rune. Number three, it's easy to make money, but it's another thing to save money and pay your future self. This is very important. I think it's very mindful that we know pay ourselves out. I heard the saying that when you get a check or whatever check you get with the entrepreneur or you are doing a 9 to 5 or have a salary pay 10% to yourself yeah. and start building and saving in that aspect or figure out a saving system that works for you but you should have something to fall back on in terms of you um, having some kind of savings and also investments that's something that we need to talk about more and be more involved in. Jay-Z spoke about in 4-4 album about buying art yeah. and how you could double up, and, you know, you could invest in art, and then down in the long run, you could flip it, and it becomes something. And that's just one thing.
1: Yeah, one avenue. That's right just there.
0: one avenue of making money. So, yeah, respect the game, y'all. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just, to,
1: just to end end on that point, I think the album was fire. We did, we definitely didn't discuss some of the more turn-up ratchet tracks. We, just more, we went into more of the conscious, and just because that's just the, what we talk about on our show, but... Overall, the album was fire. I loved it. Shout-outs to Drake. They 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 came together. I'm glad they came together. Squashed the beef. I'm
0: glad, I'm glad it didn't be a Tupac and Biggie thing. I'm really, and I honestly, because, like, even with that, when we still see the documentaries about Tupac and Biggie, they still solving their murders. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Like, it's, I'm glad that they came to a point where they could be very peaceful. But I just want to ask you this before we end. Do you perceive Meek Mills differently now after all he went through and also um, with this album?
1: Uh, definitely. I do think he's someone who has resiliency within him. He doesn't stop. He He's a grinder, and he's going to put in work. No matter what obstacle comes in his way, he's not going to lay down, and he's going to keep on fighting. I, I definitely am very... Curious to see what he's going to create with the rest of his career because he has a long life ahead of him, and he's aligning himself with billionaires like Robert Kraft, Jay Z, Joshua Harris. Like he's he's definitely on a great path right now, and especially because of the difficulties that he's felt, he's been put in with in terms of the justice system. He's using that and his platform to. Put a message out there, and I think that's a beautiful thing, and we need more people to follow suit, so I applaud him.
0: No, I I definitely look at him differently from his situation that has happened and also with him dropping this album I like that it was kind of a mix of a little ratchet so you could twerk a little bit but then it had it gave you that that conscious feel on the flip side and the conscious aspect of it is what I really enjoyed the most because I was like it resonates a lot what we discussed and we didn't get too deep in a lot of the songs because a lot of the meanings behind them are overlapping right. it's just that he he kind of articulated differently right. and also you gotta keep in mind the beat and the flow of it so the transitions were slightly different but we definitely touched on the nuances the overarching stuff that is very very imperative and that happens within our community. So that's one of the things that I really did enjoy. But it's a great album. Like I'm not even gonna lie, I really enjoyed it. I'm still listening to it, and it just giving me that energy too, especially when I'm feeling a little down and out. It gives me that boost. Of like yo, go hard. Yeah. You know when you when you see someone like him in a Jay Z. Um, over their fears or the situations that they've been in. It's just like, you could do it too. You know what I'm saying? One step at a time, of course. So that level of resiliency and kind of moving forward and not letting anybody stop you and get in your way, feeding the energies that are around you and being pertinent of the people that are around you. I'm really big on energies, So I'm glad that he spoke to that and that point. So, If you haven't listened to the album, definitely go check it out and let us know what you think about it.
1: Definitely hit us up and let us know. And speaking of energy, we're just going to transition into our book review. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This book we actually read was The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. And I love this book. I I actually read Mm -hmm. it about a little over a decade ago. And it was the first book that really introduced me to the concept of spirituality and energy and kind of just finding that in my own. and. I, I, I loved it. So just to give you some quick takeaways that I, I took away from the book, I love the fact that it, it really talks about having you follow your intuition and just kind of listening to that inner voice to kind of guide you into where you want to go and what you're trying to accomplish with your life. I think a lot of times we get caught up with the distractions and what other people want for us and for our lives. But it's really important to kind of just be present to what that inner voice is saying and where it's guiding you. Um, also, just really getting present to the power to dynamics and struggles that human beings have. Like when you're having conversations, whether it's parents and the kids or friends or a teacher, like they, in the book they talk about the energy and how people like to try to suck energy from other people. And, and it kind of sounds esoteric until you actually read word. it. <laughs> that's a big word. That's <laughs> a But. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but after like reading the book with my friends, like energy became like, it was a staple in our conversation. And it made me get to the point where I'm like, I don't want to drain people's energy. I don't want anyone to feel bad or weaker after having a conversation with me. And you can actually have conversations where people come out of it on both sides, feeling better, feeling happy, feeling powerful. And I think like, that's the kind of interactions that I want to have. Like when people, Communicate with me, they leave feeling good about themselves, and I leave feeling good as well. So, I got a
0: question, Coach P. Yeah. So this, the, this book and the aspect of energies and how we just wrapped up about Meek Mill's album and mm-hmm. speaking to friends and being the right did this make you reevaluate the kind of friends you have around you
1: oh 100% and then also made me reevaluate you put them well, on a chopping block huh well it, honestly like, like Chanel said last episode it's it's reevaluating time and, and honestly I, I gotta look within myself as well be, in the interactions that I'm having what kind of energy am I putting out there what kind of energy am I bringing to the podcast keys grinding working like busting her ass and like I got to be able to match that or match that energy at Never all times and I think like Are we dropping gems? Yeah, I okay. I, I think I think it's so easy to look At other people and say, oh, this is where they're fucking up. This is where they're (laughs) not. They're not like they're not bringing the right energy. But I think a lot of times we don't stop and like, okay, what what's my energy like? What am I bringing to the table? What how do people feel when they're around me? Like, and I think that's probably where I want to start looking more internal because. It but all, I think you
0: will only really know until you ask the person. That's
1: a good that's point. That's a
0: starting point, to ask them, hey, what kind of energy do I bring to you? How do you perceive me? And then kind of build and go from there. But be open to constructive criticism. Definitely. Because they could tell you some shit, and you'd be like, mm, mm-hmm. and you might go left with it. But you have to be open to have those dialogues. And that was some things I learned throughout some of my friendships, having that open conversation. Some people can be receptive, while others are not. I've had experiences when others weren't receptive, and they didn't make it. you didn't yeah. make the cut. Yeah. Toodles.
1: Um, so my final point I want to take away from the book was it just really discusses the fact about just kind of your life, the way it's going, it's it's meant to happen. Everything that yes. you're going through, all the obstacles, all the things that you're dealing with, it that's how it was meant to be. And if you look at it from that perspective and you use that frame of reference— yeah everything is a lesson everything is helping you get to where you need to need to get up to and that's kind of what we were talking about with the meek mill albums and just black people people of color and the resiliency that we have so i love it the book is just fire it just it's my it, it opened me up to spirituality and it, it was like the first back that kind on of god? on god shout <laughs> <on God. laughs> i said the big man upstairs <laughs> Facts. um what did you think key it was okay tread lightly I am I mean
0: you know how I do I think the book was very interesting I let me start off being nice cause you know he said to tread lightly um my takeaways I would say is human beings having control over each other we do it in the context of getting a psychological boost so that's pertaining to having conversations that you have with people and them trying to overpower it and trying to be controlling in some aspects and by doing so people could be manipulative so kind of gauging someone's intentions by just a conversation I'm good at reading people Mm -hmm. so the fact that I'm able to pick up on it but I I understand I get people how they perceive me because I can be intimidating to people, so I've been told. Mm-hmm. So I I gauge how people react to me based off of the things I say and do. So that was something that I thought was really a uh, potent in point. Another thing is winners' energy versus the losers' energy. Mm-hmm. When that happens, in terms of you just talking with someone and then the winners taking over the conversation, hence them being the winner, <laughs> and then you being the loser because you have less control and your energy is more down. And then you not seeing it in that moment, but someone around you could pick up on it. So I thought that was really interesting because I was like, oh, that's that's a bit different. But Mm -hmm. I do get that, like being in the moment and not understanding how you're being submissive to something. Right. But someone around you can pick up on that and be like, hey, did you know, did you channel that well? Did you understand or how were you being receptive to it? So I thought that was really important. Another aspect of it is appreciation and beauty of things that can lead you to receiving positive energy. We spoke about this with um, Coco Chanel in our previous interview about being the energy you want to perceive. Like being whatever you put out there, being open to getting it back. So that's why I'm really big on putting out positive energy as much as I can because I want to receive that back so I think that's important being the energy that you want to perceive it's just like I think that's how I think in life doing do unto others what you want done unto you so if you're gonna be on some dumb shit you be expect to be some dumb shit back in return so that to me was something that stood out and a reason is season Throughout the book, people were coming in and out of his life for a particular reason uh. for to lead up to something, and then they were out and it connected him with that person. What I liked overall, because it resonates with me, is the fact that um, what I did enjoy overall was that the people that came in and out of his life for the the purposes that they played and what it led him to do and the fact that he needed one thing to get to another thing that's what I liked about it you know because I always look at things like that like why so-and-so here and how long you gonna be in my life and I noticed that you was here for several years and then you were here for a couple months and you know in a sense of what purpose you play and value so that's what I took away from the book and your trajectory of life you know people that play a position and what their parts are and how that affect where you're going in your life. And that's one of the things I did, like and forming habits and kind of trying to dismantle those habits and how they could take time. Now, what I will say is, that was one of my takeaways. But what I would say is I didn't really enjoy the book Heavy because I just felt like, I wanted it to dig deeper into more of the conversation that we had now around it, like the meanings. I just felt like it was just too much with him traveling from one place to another place, this person disappearing, this person coming back, and this person having a manuscript, and then this person not having it. And it's like <laughs> who like, who to trust and who not and who's telling the truth. I was just kind of like this is too much. Like the, the, <laughs> the core values of it, like – I get it, the energies. I feel like it should have digged deeper into that. I feel like it will have like a paragraph or two about it and it would be like, oh, he met Sanchez. And I'm like, listen. So I didn't like that aspect. I just felt like it was too much and I wasn't really feeling it. But the core meaning of it and what you said, I did walk away from, but it's not one of my favorite books. I think down the road I may revisit it and Mm -hmm. give it another chance Mm -hmm. to kind of have a different take on it. But that's why I'll stay on it. Nice. I thread lightly, didn't I? Yes. I was thinking of your feelings. Thank you. You know, that never happens.
1: <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> There it is. (laughs) Celestine (laughs) Prophecy. (laughs) Um, So hey guys, we're nearing the end of the episode and we want to just remind you guys that we do have an active Patreon account now and we're constantly working to bring you guys great content, new ideas, and amazing guests that you can learn and grow from while still talking about real issues like we did on today's episode. And with that being said, if you guys like the product we're putting out there, we would love and appreciate any support that you could provide via our Patreon account. And as a reminder, we have a $1 tier If you just love the content and you want to support us, we have a $5 tier that allows you to get early access to everything episodes and content and then we have the $25 tier if you want to have a one-on-one coaching session with myself so any support really would mean the world and we love you guys for riding with us for seven seasons now and we have more great guests in the books and we can't wait for you guys to meet them and working on some really cool dope projects that we can't wait to roll out so Facts. make sure you continue riding with us and stay tuned for what we have in store
0: and please do keep in mind you get the one-on-one with Coach P so take advantage of that because some of these um, Honestly Life coaching sessions can be pricey as we discussed earlier in the episode about when Meek Mills talked about seeking help and stuff like that it may not be beneficial for people because of money being a factor and also having time but the fact that you get a like a little like 30 minute of time to speak with coach P about where you're at in your life and trying to reevaluate things and breaking habits as that was lovely discussed in the book like Take advantage of that opportunity. So really reach out and try to get that one on one. And for the ladies out there, you know you want to get that one on one with Coach P. Chill, chill. <laughs> you see, he, oh he flexing God. his muscles on the IG story. You gonna be doing more of that this week?
1: Definitely. I'm I, sure you are. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so once like again, y- <laughs>
0: <y'all signing
1: DMs. laughs>
0: now he want to act shy. All right.
1: Oh God, I'm blushing. I'm too dark. You can't see. I'm, I'm turning. I'm turning red right now. <laughs> to
0: call you midnight.
1: Yes. Literally. <laughs> uh, so once again, guys, thank you for tuning in. Make sure if you haven't done so already, purchase that ringtone playing all silky smooth in your ears for android users you can purchase that at the tune store and for apple users you can purchase that at the itunes store you can also follow us on instagram and twitter at unapologetic underscore you can make donations to our patreon account by searching unapologetically different and finally you can find all our shows on itunes soundcloud and now stitcher by searching unapologetically different stay tuned for our next episode bye